Hello everyone, welcome back to Rogue Opinions. My name, as always, is Nathan, and with me today to talk all things Australian Open, all things tennis, the second episode of our much, uh, much coveted tennis podcast. <laughs> second episode in about eight months. Uh, it is Carl. Hello, Carl. Hello, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good going, isn't it? I, you know, every eight months we'll we'll start a tennis podcast. <laughs> Every interesting tournament, we'll put out, we'll put out one, maybe. The Not people fully. are lucky. Yeah, the people are very lucky, but it was the Australian Open. It it was covered in controversy before it got started, so I guess, that, shall we begin with the controversy, or do we want to ignore it? Uh, No, we, we may as well touch on it a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, Novak Djokovic obviously not at the tournament uh, because he can't fill out paperwork. Uh, which is apparently everyone else's fault, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it didn't cast too much of a shadow on it. Obviously, it looked like it was going to for a bit, but uh, I think overall, before we go into the draws, it was a massive success, I think. I would say so. Yeah, I mean, as you say, a lot of people were worried that um, it would sort of the Djokovic stuff would cast a massive shadow over the tournament and sort of not ruin it, but um, definitely um sort of spoil it somewhat but no it was soon it was soon forgotten once the tournament got underway properly it was, it was soon forgotten thankfully definitely i think it kind of shows that that old classic thing that no one really is bigger than the sport they play like no matter what sport you're in the sport will survive without these people like they'll still they'll still be an australian open when anybody in any draw is gone is retired so um, not that Djokovic retired, obviously he's just not there. But there's been Grand Slams without him before, and there will yeah, continue to be. So, but you know he he'll be back. He's he's one of the best players. He he might have had a deep run into the tournament, but I think for those that want to put an asterisk next to it, the you're kind of just just being dumb. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what would have happened. I mean, Medved beat Djokovic at the U.S. Open, and Nadal's more than capable of beating. Djokovic on um, the form we've seen so you just don't know you just don't and it's it's kind of irrelevant at this point so I guess we'll we'll move straight past it in, and we'll start we'll start with the women's draw it was a hometown favorite one of the best players in the world uh who, who stomped her way to the Australian Open title without dropping a set to win her third singles Grand Slam and end Australia's 44-year wait for for an Australian to lift the Open. It was, of course, Ash Barty. Uh, I think your favourite going into the tournament. Yeah, she she was my um, favourite pick. Uh, my other my other two were Naomi Osaka, who uh, didn't get as far as I thought, and um, Paolo Badosa. I thought she would go a bit deeper. But I think she struggled with a few knocks and injuries as well because she kept getting parts of her body uh, taped up at various <laughs> matches. So maybe that didn't do her any good. No, I don't think it did. I did. You do think that Osaka was probably going to get a bit a bit further, but much like the, the gentleman we'll talk about later, she hadn't played for ages. But it's just hard to doubt these people. And I would definitely agree with you. I thought Bedosa was going to have a slightly stronger tournament, but then back comes... Madison Keys from out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, and we were also with uh, Osaka going out early. We were denied Osaka versus um, Barty, which 
could have been an interesting encounter. She might have been perhaps the only one in the draw that could have really... I still think Barty would have won, but she could have really given her a, a, a task. She really could have done. Uh, and yeah, I suck on her day is, again, one of the best players in the world. So, um, But I think Madison Keys was probably perhaps one of the surprise packages of the draw. I know Collins is obviously the biggest one. Uh, but Madison Keys, who reached a final with the US Open in 2017 and then has just had absolute rotten bit of luck uh, really ever since then. Uh, she dropped out of the top 50 last year and yeah, to come running back and make a, a semi-final Australian Open run. What a start to the year for her and back up to, I think she's 29th, 28th in the world again now. So she's looking to kind of get back on track. Uh, so I think that was perhaps my surprise at the tournament. What in the women's side? What what was yours? Yeah, um, I would probably I would agree with that. Um, joint surprise with Pedosa going out so early. Um, Madison Keys, yeah, um, finding some form of own uh, form form of old um, going deep into the tournament, and I actually thought she'd have. She's going to give Barty uh, a more serious challenge than she ended up um, doing. Yeah, she got stomped on it. It's perhaps too much too soon, maybe, for for her. But I don't know if there's anyone in the world right now who could take a set off of Barty. Like, yeah. I think the start of the tournament, didn't she hold like 50 service games in a row or something? Yeah, and it continued into this tournament as well. She, I think it ended up being 63 or 64 holes in a row altogether. Madness. Absolute madness. Crazy. She's she's a bit like she's a bit like the big three in the men's side, isn't she? She's sort of there on her own when she's top form and it showed in this tournament as she sort of trounced everyone before her. She really she really is just on another another level and it's gonna take something incredible, it looks like, to stop her this year. I don't know. Obviously, we still got a bit of hardcore. We've got the, the Indian, uh, uh, all like the American hardcores to go. And then before we head over to the clay. So I'm not sure how Barty, uh, can she keep this level up? You're not going to doubt her. She's already got a French Open title. But there's there's obviously one missing, which is the US Open. So can she hold this form for an entire year? It, it is, I guess, the question for her now. Because it's the only one she's got missing. On the single side, she's actually already won a US Open doubles title. Uh, so yeah, I mean, she's shown she can do hardcore by winning in Australia. So I know the conditions are slightly different, but you'd think she should have the tools in her game to win the US Open if she's fully fit and raring to go. Yes, yeah, a long way away. There's a number of months to go. You've got a whole mm, season, but exactly. it's one one hell of a start. And yeah, she's been number one in the world for for a while now i think so she she's sort of making and putting herself into the history books and to do it to do it in australia to win your home slam as as brits we know how how, how long a wait can be uh to obviously art has ended in 2013 uh, so it, it's great for aussie tennis and they also got the men's doubles title as well yeah it's a brilliant brilliant tournament uh for the australians and it's always nice to see home players do well especially when it doesn't happen very often like in their case and our case <laughs> no it doesn't happen i think Bar- barty's best result until now was a semi-final in 2020 uh which actually ended up being a bit of a horrible year for her she didn't play the french open or the us open that year uh 
and uh, Wimbledon obviously wasn't held because of COVID. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, she back she backs it up. So can she can she keep hold of her Wimbledon crown? Uh, what do you think? Do you think Barty's going to win another Grand Slam this year? She's only won one a year so far. I think if she can stay fit and keep that form, she definitely can. But as we saw last year, um, the, the women's draw is very open. I think a different woman won um, each Grand Slam last year. And, did, yeah. and some teenager no one's ever heard of won the US Open, so anything is possible, let's be honest. Good stuff, Rash Barty. And we shouldn't we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a little bit more about uh Danielle Collins. Relatively unknown coming into the tournament. She was the twenty eighth seed. Uh she's uh twenty eight, so she's had quite a sort of a, a longish career uh already, although she only turned pro in twenty sixteen. Uh, she flies up to number 10 in the world. Her best result previously was a quarterfinal at the French Open in 2020. And yeah, she's she's really come out of nowhere. But what composure she showed during the tournament. And if she can keep that, maybe she's she's looking to have easily her best season uh, on record so far. I think before then, uh, I know she had reached the semifinals of the Australian Open before, sorry, in 2019. So... I, I am wrong on that, but she's still out of nowhere. Had you, had, had, Carla, had you heard of her before before this tournament? I'll be completely honest. No, <laughs> she she wasn't on my radar at all. I mean, I did, I, as I've said to you before, tennis was something I used to watch a lot when I was younger. And I sort of fell off a little bit when uh, Maurice sort of started waning and um, the big, some you know, your rappers and has got their injuries and stopped playing as much so I did lose a little bit of um, sight of who's coming through and who's about but um, but since I started watching again no she's not someone I picked up on and she was really impressive and she was the only one that uh, gave Barty a bit of a run for her money especially in that second set but I'm feeling nerves might have come into it in Barty's part as well. You know, being so close to winning your home from a slam must must have been a, a daunting experience. It definitely must have been in your maiden slam, and you got to come up against the home favourite, a heavy a heavy favourite. I guess she could have gone out there as she did in the second set and just start swinging, which seems which is a definitely a playing style. She's very aggressive uh, from the back of the court, but. I think there's good things to come if she can keep that composure that she showed up until I guess the first set of the final was really when we saw her kind of not fall to bits a little bit, but her level definitely dropped in that first set. It didn't help that obviously who she was playing, uh, but that second set was close. And if she could have nixed that, then who knows what could have happened. But definitely yeah, think, want to watch this. I year. think Barty definitely tightened up in that second set, and when she finds herself five one behind. I think that sort of loosened her up a little bit and, you know, she was able to go for it a bit because sometimes when you do see yourself behind and it looks, um, for that set, not that match, and it looks like an impossible chance challenge to claw it back, you do start playing again and go through, well, I might as well go for this shot now because I'm so far behind. And on the flip side, when you see a big lead, sort of dissipate in front of your eyes that can play games with you as well it definitely can it definitely can and we'll we'll move on to big leads slipping away now i think um, but the women's draw 
it was fascinating as it always is women's tennis as you said earlier has been so open recently uh with the draws there's generally not been many clear favorites where who have just gone on to to win it so convincingly as Barty did but huge congratulations to her and to Collins and to to really I guess every, everyone on that women's side of the draw we saw some incredible tennis it was great for us Brits to see Raducanu get uh, get through a round yeah and we saw another side to Raducanu on the game as well and she was really struggling to play with those blisters on her hand but she you know she carried on regardless and even on a set just playing like, um, the same shot basically because she couldn't play a normal tennis she had to completely play a different style of tennis so it shows like you know she's got a lot to a game and she's got fighting fighting spirit and fortitude which is nice to see oh 100% yeah she had massive blisters on her hands for those that don't know so she was having to just play these these slice shots because she couldn't hit through the forehand uh, in the second round against a uh, Kovinic and yeah, she had taken that second set uh, but in the, in the third it was kind of I guess it, it still wasn't convincing uh, like it wasn't a convincing demolition of her but she showed as we said a different side to her game that she's she's a little bit wily and I was a bit disappointed um, not in her or in anyone but I was hoping she would find a way through and recover because we were so close to getting obviously uh, Simona Halep against Raducanu uh, for that that's definitely to come i think one more person i'd like to to talk about is elise cornet uh she for those that don't know french player has always kind of generally floated around kind of the middle of the middle of the pack in the top 100 she's 32 years old now uh and she made it all the way uh she made it to the quarterfinals didn't she yes uh which is the first time she's done that in her career uh what a fast a great tournament from her from the veteran uh, not she's the only. She's another player I've never heard of, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was quite funny because um, she made it through to the quarterfinals, as did uh, Gail Monfils, and uh, and then they're obviously uploading pictures of of Gail and Elise, who are obviously both French uh, from like the 2006 Australian Open, um, and they both looked exactly the same. <laughs> so <laughs> they don't. The pair of them do not age um, at all, but. That was great to see for someone that's watched Cornet play for quite a long time now uh, to to make it to to kind of the second week of a slam and beyond. Uh, yeah, good and stuff. Also, also a big shout out to Igor Swiatek, who perhaps had the best tournament since winning the French Open. Should give a um, a big confidence boost to the push on and perhaps win more majors as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot. There's a lot to come. There's some exciting stuff. There's some veterans there um, as well, still firing about. Kai Kanepi won, uh, beat the second seed Sabalenka in the first round. Kanepi, 36 years old, uh, battling through uh, from there. So it was a fascinating start to the year. A really, really good, a good tour uh, draw. Uh, all right, over to the men's side, Carl. Yeah, definitely. The men's side, uh, as we said before, no Novak Djokovic, but my goodness, did it did it not matter? Uh, because we got some fascinating, some fascinating uh, tennis. Uh, I guess we'll start off with who actually ended up being the number one seed, which is uh, Daniel Medvedev. Uh, I wouldn't call it a cruise through to the final. He had some difficult, some difficult draws, especially in the second round where he had to face another Australian. Uh, Nick Kyrgios, but battled through well. And was was he your favourite going in? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially with Djokovic um, out of out of um, contention. Um, I think his biggest scare came in the quarterfinals, which we'll get to in due course. And he was very close to going out in that match, wasn't he? Oh, unbelievable. He faced, uh, we'll give it a go, I guess, Felix Uger Aliasem. Sorry, Felix. Felix. (laughs) (laughs) An unbelievable tournament from the young Canadian. Uh, He went two sets up convincingly winning that second set because he went a break up quite early and took it to tiebreaker. It was a lot closer in the first. But, uh, But yeah, Medvedev. He had to save a match point in in at one point, I think, in the fourth. Or it might have been in the third. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. And he battled through in the end, taking it 6-7, 3-6, 7-6, 7-5, 6-4 to to somehow scrape through. But Felix showed a lot of class in that match and a lot. There's a lot to like about this guy. Uh, he's still yeah, he's yeah. still very young. He's only 21 and he's already putting on performances like that. He's actually trained. Uh, by Tony Nadal, uh, uh, Uncle Uncle Tony, uh, as well. So, um, a great tournament from the guy. I think we're going to see him in some finals sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. I was really impressed with his tournament, and he looks like he's you know if he can find that form again and get so close to beating someone like Medvedev, he's got every chance of winning a, a Grand Slam himself in the future. Oh, without without a doubt, and it's not it's not even the first time we've seen him in uh, in kind of deep into the second week of slams. He was in the semi-finals of the Australian of not the Australian U.S. Open not long ago. Uh, he was in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. He's yet to win a match at the French Open. Uh, so fo- perhaps following a similar path to Medvedev, who also hadn't won a match at the French Open until last season. So maybe Felix will win a couple of rounds and then win the U.S. Open like. <laughs> like the Russian did, so <laughs> I'm making that prediction. And Felix did damn well. Like in the fourth round, he had to, he had to face Marin Cilic, former Grand Slam champion, and he kind of, despite losing the first set, ended up battling past him. Uh, but Medvedev looked unstoppable. We all thought, oh well, he's not playing very well when he has to face Tissipas in the semi-finals. That's going to be a battle. Uh, but nope, it was a bad day. Carl and I were texting the day before saying oh these semi-finals could go really really long (laughs) (laughs) and neither and neither did really (laughs) perhaps for the better given us what happened in the final uh but i get should we talk about medvedev's temperament a little bit yeah we can do uh because in that semi-final we saw should we call it the dark side of daniel medvedev uh he was very angry at tisipas's dad who was in the box who seemed to be not for the first time i might add was accused of coaching coaching being that on the on the men's side you're not allowed to coach from the box you can sit there but you can't sort of shout out advice or anything stupid rule because what's the point of having a coach um but i guess there is the argument that it it would counterbalance things because lower ranked players who perhaps don't have as much money can't afford a traveling coach there's reasons for it but Medvedev, have you seen this? Just lost his mind. No, I didn't, unfortunately, because of um, work and the, the, you know, the time difference between the UK and Australia. And I was unfortunately not able to watch as many matches as uh, I've liked. And this was one I think was going on while I was at work. Yeah, well, Medvedev so I started. Heard, I have heard about his outbursts and 
and whatnot. He started screaming at the umpire, demanding that he told his dad to stop. When I say screaming, I mean screaming at the top of his voice. He um, alluded to calling the umpire a pussy at one point, but instead said to said to the umpire, "What shall I call you? What is it? A small cat." Uh, which is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> but then you remember that, for instance, like there are people in the past, namely Serena Williams, who has been who who's been defaulted or like disqualified for very similar outbursts. Yeah, you, he's think, lucky he didn't get into more trouble, right? I think the umpire's got the patience of a saint, but also maybe we need a bit of consistency in the rules. But I mean, you would have, but much like John McEnroe, it did. This outburst didn't stop him. It, in fact, maybe improved him because Medvedev just went on to brush Tissipas aside in four sets, seven, seven, six, four, six, six, four, and then six, one in the fourth. I think we were expecting a bit more from the Greek. Yeah, I mean, up until then he'd play, you know, he'd been playing some really good, you know, really solid tennis and been beating some really good opponents as well. So I, I was expecting a tight match. Still thought. Medvedev would win, but I was expecting a tight, a tight match. I think you said to me you, you, you kind of was starting to lean towards just the pass at one point, or you certainly told me he could after the second set more dangerous than before. Anyway, yeah, after the second set, I thought Tsitsipas would maybe push on a bit more, like, but Medvedev was too good, and Medvedev is so composed in his shot making, not in his temperament. Where we saw it in the final, there were times where he just could not miss. I think when he gets into that that mode, he's so consistent off the ground that it's hard to find a way past him. Like it's uh, like playing against a wall, <laughs> which is unbelievable. But yeah, disapp- a little bit disappointed from Tissipas, which is strange to say when someone reaches a semi-final of a Grand Slam. But that's people have people have standards, don't they? The guy was what he French Open finalist last yeah, I season. Mean, he's as you tell me before, he is wildly inconsistent. I mean, he raced into a two-set lead against Novak Djokovic, and then his game just seemed to fall apart in that French Open final. It definitely did. Um, there were some surprises in the men's side as well. I think we'll talk about the third seed, Alexander Zverev. Uh, the guy's record in Grand Slams is looks better on paper than it is. I, I don't think that's unfair to say. In that he's he's reached the sort of second week and deep into tournaments before, but when you look at the players that he's losing to, it's always people inside the top 20. He's never beaten anyone inside the top 10 at a Grand Slam, and um, he he crashed out in surprising fashion to Denis Shapovalov uh, in the fourth round, easily straight sets. Not that Shapovalov is a bad player; he's an excellent, excellent player, 14th seed, but brushed aside again at a grand slam yeah it's very strange yeah he, he can beat these players um in like you know best of threes as we saw um in the olympics when he beat novak Djokovic um to the surprise of many so it, it's strange that he just falls apart against them so easily um in the in the slams maybe it's a maybe it's a mental thing at this point perhaps yeah, it has to be a mental thing. Because you say he's got the game, he's got the power, definitely, to just blast past people. But this, it's def- it has to be a mentality thing at this point, where he almost needs one win over a, 
a world-class player, a top-ranked player at a slam, and that's going to open up the floodgates for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that was a surprising loss. I thought he was going to have too much because previously in the previous rounds, he's looked, he looked peerless uh, in his opponents. Like he, he's yet to drop a set. He was really hadn't been broken too many times or at all. I'm not too sure uh, for definite, but he just fell apart. So surprising, surprising. Uh, one other guy I'd like to talk about is Gael Monfils. Who doesn't love yeah. Gael Monfils? <laughs> He's been unstoppable so far this year. He, he won the tournament beforehand uh, coming into it. And at 36 years of age, or 35, sorry, all the way to the quarterfinals, two sets to love down against Berrettini. He pulls it back. You start to believe for a moment in him. Uh, but Berrettini, too good. But what a tournament for the veteran, right? Yeah, really really good um he, he you know he sounded very you know even though he went out in the quarters he's in his interviews he sounded quite upbeat and um you know he's confident going forward to the rest of the season which is nice to see it is he's he's fit and healthy and he sounds like he's got some focus in the last couple of seasons of his career like he, he wants to give it a go he's saying that he wants to reach one grand slam final he needs to before he retires like and he's always had the game but it's been a question of his mentality um, or his dedication at times like, uh, but he's back playing phenomenal tennis and I think this sets him up nicely um, for it I'm not well he's got the French Open to come I don't think Clay's his best surface unfortunately uh, but when Gale is on it and he's hitting the ball cleanly and he's using that power that he's got there's very few people in the world that can stop him because he's so quick as well so I'm excited to see what he does from here yeah, yeah, but so he he can um, push on and, and do something and not just be a, a one and done and with that <laughs> wonder and ah, you know, we we promised so much but then sort of disappeared. Uh, a player I'd like to mention is um, Carlos Alcaraz. I, I thought he did really well. Um, he came up against uh, you know a really strong. Mario Berrettini uh, and as you said um, before you took you, you said you took your dogs out because you thought the match was over <laughs> and he back you know he did really well to battle back and uh, take it to a, a deciding set in that match and he's another youngster that looks like he's ready to break out any time um, and push for major honours he is he's a great player he's definitely one for the future he's beefed up a hell of a lot uh, over over the winter period he looks like a different person uh, mm. to what he looked like last season where he was a little bit more slender but now he he looks beefy and uh, yeah, yeah. wasn't great to show it off without wearing wearing a tank top with his guns out and everything yeah young a, another a young 18 year old Spaniard coming in wearing a tank top I think maybe we know where this is headed <laughs> for him but what a fantastic player he's coached by a former world number one one Carlos Ferrero uh, so that's not a bad guy to be giving you advice uh, from there so he's he's at a career high now of 29 first um, sorry the uh, he reached the quarterfinals of the US Open last year as well but to battle back against Berrettini uh, it's it's really hard to do because Berrettini has been on fire uh, in the last sort of few months as well since reaching the final of Wimbledon. Uh, so yeah, I did. I did went out after the tiebreaker 
and thought, oh, this is done. I'll come back. I'll check out the highlights of the last set. <laughs> yeah, by the time I got home, he'd, he'd kind of reeled off two sets. <laughs> and then down to a tiebreaker in the end there. So he took Berrettini literally all yeah, the way. He did. He could have very easily have uh, uh, got scraped through himself, but it, it wasn't to be. And as we said, Berrettini, he, he does look, he does look on fire. Though interestingly, as I, I said to you, when you thought it was a bit of a rubbish take, and it, it might be, but Tim Henman seems to think he won't quite get there as a, a major winner. But that remains this, to be seen. Well, Berrettini. Mm. Yeah, he he. I don't know. He seems to lack a little bit of edge sometimes against the big guns but I mean by big guns we're talking about Nadal and Djokovic who are the two people it's taken to stop him um, at Grand Slams uh, of late so I don't know I think I think he could have enough I think would he beat Medvedev do you think I think he could uh, but he might need Medvedev to drop his level a yeah, little bit yeah you might have to catch him on the right day perhaps or wrong he day if you, you do know. sometimes I think with Medvedev you just he's such a good front runner uh, that he would probably need to take the first set uh, a little bit, although saying that we'll, we'll discuss yeah, <laughs> something about that in a second. <laughs> but Medvedev is he's very good front runner uh, generally, uh, but we'll get onto the exception in a second. But I think Berrettini could have what it takes. It's I think this Grand Slam has shown that he he might need the big two to retire. <laughs> before before winning one uh but yeah another semi-final for berrettini uh he did take the third set and it looked like nadal was maybe running out of puff a little bit uh but nope he was not even in third gear <laughs> given what we saw in the end so should we get on to rafa uh i just want to quickly mention murray just quickly i just want to think what you thought uh, of his tournament he was very disappointed to I forget the name of the player he went out to now, but... Uh, uh, Taro Daniel. That was it. He was, you know, after getting past Bashevili, I've, I don't know, I've probably butchered that name, so I do apologise. It's, it's that's another difficult name to <laughs> <throughing laughs> tongue around. Um, yeah, um, I know it went the distance that match, but I thought he would have... I thought he was going to get a little bit further, but you know, with metal hip and, and whatnot, Perhaps it was, you know, a bit too far this time. He didn't play anywhere near his best tennis, though. I think that's the disappointing thing for Murray is that although he might never reach the standards that he had before, uh, he did actually in that second round, I thought, play really poorly, uh, especially on the big points. And I think that's what's disappointing him is that he actually just didn't play very well. Uh, And, yeah, the first round, uh, being a wild card, uh, is obviously going to leave you to to a difficult draw and straightaway draw in the 21st seed was perhaps not ideal, although it is someone that Murray has beaten very recently. Uh, he was taken all the way, perhaps didn't have enough enough left in the tank. But yeah, I think it's good to see him playing five set tennis again and at a Grand Slam. And I think given he reached a final of Adelaide the week before or Sydney, whichever one it was. Um, yeah. And it took Karasev to stop him. Someone else who also did not play very well at this Australian Open. Uh, it's I don't know. I I did feel a bit disappointed in Murray. I um I thought he, he could have played that a bit better. And I think he knew from coming up because he felt he said he felt physically fine. It was just a bad day. Um, and Tara Daniel was a bit it was a bit inspired. Qualifier was coming in with a lot of gas in the tank. 
but yeah, it was kind of an opportunity missed, I think, because that third round he's playing Yannick Sinner. Not you would think, oh, perhaps Murray's gonna get blown away there, but you never know. Uh, and then if he all of a sudden he's in the fourth round, perhaps he's got to face uh, Demir, someone he's beaten before. I don't know. I'm doing a bit of what if there, but you just never know do you? In, in in any sport, really. And also, I was also a bit disappointed with Cam Nari as well, especially after winning uh, Indian Wales. I thought he might have a better tournament, but he went went out in the first round. Yeah, he he did not play well at all against Corder, the American, especially that second set. He got absolutely smashed, six love. So poor, poor from the guy coming in as the 12th seed as well. So you'd think he's going to get a favourable draw, but massively lacking consistency, Cam Nori. Uh, given, as you said, he won Indian Wells. He's got a lot of points to defend coming up uh, in the next month or so. So can he can he pull this back? Because that was it wasn't good. I don't think it was good at all no. uh, uh, as well. From the Brit side as well, before we get on to Rafa, uh, Dan Evans as well. Uh, he had... Uh, a decent tournament but he got well i say decent he actually only played two matches to reach the third round because uh uh his second round opponent pulled out but defeating dan goffan who's on his way back from injury that's not a bad scalp to get but absolutely blown away by felix in the third yeah but uh i mean i was slightly disappointed at the time but then when we saw you know how far felix got in the tournament and how you know how he took medvedev um, to the edge that perhaps it wasn't such as bad defeat as originally thought, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's now you've got some context, you look at it and you think, okay, but um, yeah, Evan still did not play well, although Felix was playing some unbelievable tennis. Those second and third set were, were particularly poor. Felix had just worked him out and almost broken his spirit um, as well as anything else. So, yeah. Uh, Good stuff, though, from Dan. Like To reach the third round of a slam, that's still not bad for him. So it opens him up well to the, to the rest of the year. Uh, right, it's, it's Rafa time, Carl. Are you ready? we got five hours to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, madness. Even more than that. I mean, um, I know we saw... I mean, one of the other reasons we thought Berrettini would push Rafa is because his quarterfinal, um, another name I'm going to butcher, Shapovalov, um you know, he pushed Rafa right to the edge as well, and he was fading, you know, badly in that match as, as well. So, um, you know, he was, you know, he did well to get past that match. And, you know, you look at how well Berrettini was playing, and you thought, you know, this one again could be another five setter. But, you know, Berrettini, I think, very disappointed with that performance, I've got to admit. Yeah, Rafa coming in. Given four months ago, the guy was on crutches. He did not play Wimbledon or the US Open last year because of this foot injury. There were times where he it was suggested he might have to retire. Instead, he rehabs from surgery and everything else. Uh, plays an exhibition in Abu Dhabi and actually loses to Andy Murray in that. Um, although got a couple matches. Then comes in, wins the tournament before the Australian Open at Canter. Uh, still, we're not sure what to expect from the guy, uh, how he's feeling. He's 36 now, um, or 35, which one 35, is it? 35, that was my 35, mistake. 35, that was your... <laughs> my mistake in a, in a report, but I've corrected it now. <laughs> and, and also, you're leaving out that he even contracted COVID earlier in the year as well, just to yeah. add to his woes. Just to add to add to the story. So, first round, smashes through Giron or Giron, sorry, I don't know how to say the name. Second round qualifier, Hampman, good German player, solid, 
brushed aside. 28 seed, this is where I was thinking, oh no, this might be where he gets unstuck against uh, Kachanov, or however you say his name, sorry. Um, turn it into me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but um, yeah, wins the first two, drops the third, uh, and then smashes him in the fourth, 6-1. So all of a sudden, I think at the fourth round when I saw who he was playing, which is Manorino, another lefty, and this isn't anything against Manorino, but Nadal against lefties, his record is peerless. Like he, so I'm thinking, oh god, this guy's going to be in the quarterfinals. <laughs> um, but he, he ends up playing the longest tiebreaker of his career at a Grand Slam, winning it 16-14 wow. uh, to take the first set. And I think that's what did Manorino in because the next two, six-two, six-two. Uh, if that had gone the other way, I think that match would have been very interesting because Manorino is the guy who actually knocked out Karatsev uh, in the third round, winning some really close sets. Uh, so and had also beaten the temp seed in the second so he had got a horrible draw and was all the way in the fourth round and the quarterfinal time as you said Shapovalov just coming off smashing Zerev uh, Nadal wins the first two loses the next two and then in the fifth takes it 6-3 um, so he's in the semi-finals I thought at this point he's got to be out of juice <laughs> um, I must admit um the deeper Rafa got into the tournament, the more I started to think, you know, you know, he could possibly win this. I mean, this is Rafa Nadal. He's such a great player that if he's showing this form, but then, yeah, you, you sort of saw him struggle and just about get over the line against Shapovalov, and then Berrettini's playing so well. I honestly thought this would perhaps be the, you know, the real danger one. Yeah, I thought so as well. Like, uh, but it really didn't turn out to be that way. The first two sets. He cleared out Berrettini, and I it was the first set in particular. I thought Berrettini was poor, and I don't really have a doubt that he would probably agree with that sentiment. He was really poor; he could not find his mark. Nadal was almost toying with him at times. The second, although the scoreline was worse, I think Berrettini was starting to get into it a little bit more. The fourth, he found something, and Rafa's level just dropped a bit. But I uh, sorry, the third, but in the fourth, Nadal just picked it up again. And we're going into the final at this point. And as I always say to you, you can't really doubt these guys like Nadal and that. Like, um, you'd be a fool too. Uh, but we we both had our fears for this final that Nadal was going to get swept aside. And it looked like we were right after that first set. Yeah, it was not a good... I mean, I mean the rat... I mean, he wasn't playing terrible, terrible. I mean, some of the rallies were... You know, even for the first couple of games, just went on for ages and the shots they were playing, it's just Medvedev was in that kind of form where he seemed to be able to get to everything and find winners out of nowhere. He really did. And the second set, you're obviously thinking the same thing. Nadal has to win this. Yeah. And he takes it to a tiebreaker despite going a breakdown. Um, and yeah, but he loses it. Medvedev takes it 7-5 in a tiebreaker. At this point, by the way, we're only about 90 minutes into the match. So <laughs> then the Titanic <laughs> task began um, of what I think is perhaps of all the achievements Nadal has had in his career, which are unbelievable. Um, I think this victory, two sets down, it was a breakdown in the third um, to actually come back and win it and win the title and win his 21st Grand Slam. 
I think it is his greatest achievement. Quite possibly, yes. And it's one of the best comebacks I've ever seen as well. When you, when you consider all the circumstances leading up to the tournament and, and the age difference between the two as well. I mean, Medvedev, 10 years younger, you'd think he'd be the one who would who it would favour to go longer. But in fact, Rafa seemed to get better and Medvedev seemed to drop as the, the match went on. It really did, and like for some some stats, this is the second longest Grand Slam final of all time. The first being the 2012 final between Novak Djokovic and guess who, Rafael Nadal. Uh, and ten years later, he he's, he's clocking in just short of that to complete a two sets to love comeback against the most informed player in the world. <laughs> I mean, we we should have known what to expect. I mean, we both watched the. The US Open, didn't we? Uh, it was yeah. The 2019 final. And um, yeah, between for a marathon as well, wasn't it? Yeah, between, well, Medvedev and Nadal, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, and oh, it's just um, unbelievable. And 21st Grand Slam, statistically, if you're doing slam count, the greatest player of all time. I think because of what, I don't know if this is reactionary, but I think because of what he's done here, in my head, he's the greatest of all time now. Yeah, I think I think it, between those three, uh, I don't know if you can, if you can still put Roger in it. I know Daz has come back from an injury, but Roger's another got another five years on him, and he has really struggled. And trust me, when you get to your forties, <laughs> it is tough. Um, I think with Roger, he's. I think I think it's almost unfair at times to put Roger in the same generation as these guys. He's actually a bit generation. Yeah, exactly. Like some of the finals, Roger Federer has won his Grand Slams in. People put him in the same bracket as Djokovic and Nadal. But before Djokovic and Nadal, Roger was winning Grand Slam finals against Andre Agassi. Like yeah. he he won a U.S. Open against him and like Leighton Hewitt and players like that. And I don't know, Marat Safin is probably crossing into that generation as well but he was playing finals against those guys i still remember him um knocking out pete sampras i think was it the quarterfinals or yeah the 2001 yeah and you know that was a big shot you know to everyone because roger was very young then still coming through and pete sampras was you know the legend unstoppable on grass and, yeah so uh, yeah it's an interesting discussion it's an interesting discussion because it's he's played he's so generation defying that he's he's almost played in two. And I think it's the same with Nadal and Djokovic. They they're at the very tail end of that Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras generation. But Federer was in it for a couple of years. Mm. Like he is five years older than these guys. As you say, he's forty. Like it's a different deal for him. Um, but but anyway. This is Rafa's moment. It's got nothing to do with Roger. He wasn't he's even there. Got, he's also got one other thing. The other two that's eluded the other two, and that's an Olympic gold medal. And the other yes. two have tried to win to win that. They do want one, but um, they never managed it. And Nadal has. So he's also got that to add to his um, 21 majors. He has obviously Roger stopped by. Well, you could say Andy Murray, but I might also say. <laughs> 24 hours before he had to play three hours against Juan Martin Del Potro. So. <laughs> Don't forget, though, Murray, Murray had that mixed doubles just before the final as well, though, didn't he? Yeah. So, that was just after. 
Was it just after? Was yeah, it? it was I just know, after. I know we had to play. I know we had to play. Two, I know we had to play both. Anyway. Yeah, you know, you can't, yeah, that was after the final against uh, against Big Rog. Uh, so, but as we say, this is about Nadal, and it's mm. the way he switched up his game. He used that chip slice backhand to perfection at times to change the pace against a guy as tricky as Medvedev, and when that forehand got going, it was it was still it. You forget. As you say, you forget that he's 10 years older. He's been playing professionally since 2003. <laughs> like, this is, uh, he's, he's peerless at times, as they all are. Yeah, he's just, he, he's not human, basically. <laughs> to, to pull to pull this victory out of him, his backside, he, he's, he's just, it's just absolutely unbelievable. It's, yeah, and I think mean, he, he left everyone speechless, and I think, uh, what a day later he's done it to us here like you just don't even know what to say about him he he looked down and out uh at some points he was covered in sweat on his first service game i know i mean he looked like he, he literally looked like he'd been swimming in his in his tennis gear that's how wet he was with sweat it's unbelievable crazy but 21 grand slams medvedev into another final and and loses it how's that gonna hurt him mentally it's the first slam of the year and there's some great stories coming out of it. Mm. He was quite There's... upset by the crowd, wasn't he, Medvedev? You know, ah, they were... but, but, you know, I mean, I don't think it's anything against him. It's just, you know, Rafa's such a legend. A lot of, as you said, a lot of people didn't think we'd see him play a major again, let alone get to a final, let alone win it. So, you know, it's, it's very difficult not to get behind somebody like Rafa in those sort of situations. He does make it. He's tricky not to love him. Medvedev is one of both of our favourites. And he, as soon as he started playing Rafa, I was sort of turning immediately. Yeah, You were just hoping Medvedev would, would stop serving so well. Because those first two sets, it was his serving was unbelievable. Really? And oh, towards really? the end, Nadal had worked it out. And... Medvedev was starting to struggle a little bit and he could barely hold serve. It's like role reversal. But my goodness. Um, what a legend. That's all you can say. He, he, he is. He's a legend. And, you know, if he stays fit um, and healthy, I don't see why he can't make it 22 at the French Open because um, he's pretty much untouchable on clay when he's in his best form. Exactly. So we will look forward to the French Open. I'm sure we'll be back probably in Probably go out in the first round now, I said that. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think we'll, we'll be back before the French Open. Uh, we're going to try and do these tennis pods a bit more interesting. Try and follow the tour for the year and see, see what we've made of it. But... Uh, an Australian Open for the books for the wrong reasons and for the right reasons, very much the right reasons at the end. So uh, I think just congratulations to Barty, to Nadal, to the special Ks yeah. <laughs> uh, as well. So we're looking forward to to what to what's to come. And hopefully, you know, next year we can sit here and talk about Murray winning Australian Open 2023. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you can find more Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions. Let us know um, uh, your favourite memories from the Australian Open from this year, your favourite moments. And uh, Carl, where can the people find you? Yeah, they can find me at uh, Carl underscore Fire 80 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me in other podcasts, um, Podding Easy with Scott, as we're currently doing the Book of Boba Fett. 
uh, you can find me sometimes with Liam doing uh, Guns and Devils as we talk Arsenal, Manchester United and the Premier League and also the Buffy pod um, with Sam as we go through some of our favourite episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you can also uh, find me streaming on Twitch at Carl Southern Pier you're into that sort of thing yeah go do all of those things guys and we'll be back very soon with more tennis bye now bye